0: This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. I told them the only place to get them took and they have a seasonal limited edition offering It's right now this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats accessory and more My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday in case you've seen me many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience quite like it if you can't make it into the store just visit tecovas.com that's tecoba scom they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and they ship right to your door Go to dacovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today! After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything guys, it's that there's always a catch! to get this new customer offer and your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. You know, it's been a big week of news in MMA. And as much of it as I can get into, we're gonna break down on today's show. Look, coming up, there's a betting line out for John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. The Rockmanov fight appears to be back on, and I'm also gonna ask the question: Who is the scariest fighter in MMA history? All that's coming up later, but let's begin with the biggest stories of the day. Jake Paul going to the pfl now this had been rumored for a while well jake was pretty good at rumoring this and there was kind of a built-in belief if if jake comes over bellator would be the home for him and when i tell you that was a built-in belief where that had come from is when jake was doing some boxing he was doing it for showtime showtime has the rights to bellator everything's going to work itself out and here you go. But then PFL started, guys, I'm going back a long time too. I'm not going back a full year, but I'm going back to March. I'm going back to April of 2022, damn near a year. And all of a sudden PFL started to look viable. Started to look like maybe somewhere that, that Jake would end up. Now PFL, at the time, they made the announcement that they have business with Jake Paul. Also reminded us of the new pay-per-view business that the PFL is going with. And part of that press release was to tell the world that it was a 50% split with the fighters. I don't know if you're going to get your bang for your buck for that. The PFL does seem like some very decent people. I don't know that I have ever heard somebody complaining. But if you're doing a pay-per-view business and you're going to split it 50-50... And you let the world know that, then that means that you at least believe that from a PR perspective, you've done something cool and you want some credit for it. Okay, what does it mean? What does it mean? We're going to do pay-per-view and we're going to keep 50 of the revenue and we're going to give it to you. And I assume that that is after expenses. I don't know we have to get lost in the minutia of that. But if 50% is going left and 50% is staying right where it's at, there's, traditionally speaking, five matches on a pay-per-view card. That would be 10 athletes. So do those 10 athletes evenly divide the 50%? Now, what we all know is on a pay-per-view of any industry, boxing and wrestling and mixed martial arts and the whole bit, you're, you're main event heavy. And on a rare occasion, you'll get... Some meaningful support from your co-main event. So do we take all 10 that are going to be showed, and do we treat them equally? or we do something a little bit more reasonable, Which is that we're going to go main event heavy. Let's say we just go main event as a matter of fact, just for the simple making this conversation a little bit easier to have. If we just go main event and it's 50 percent, is red corner and blue corner splitting that so they both get 25? I mean, do you see where this starts to be a problem? I mean, it it starts to just create hard feelings. And people will generally go, yes, it's great to be the main event channel. This really isn't complicated. Well, then I'll have to step in and I'll remind you that when we do do splits historically and we turn to boxing, Floyd Mayweather hadn't done a 50-50 split in his entire career. He refused to split at 50-50 with Manny Pacquiao. So Manny, I don't need you. You're not going to get what I get. Just on principle, you're not going to get it. So I, I, I'm just sharing with you, I, I don't really know what it means. And sometimes it, it can create bigger problems. Is that a fair share to kick in 50%? Oh man, it seems it's, it seems heavy to me. It seems heavy to me. If, I, if I'm doing everything, I'm taking all the risk. It's my money. You're not even kicking in. But at the end of the day, you can get a windfall with zero risk. I, I can't give you 50%. And, and, and if I'm not good enough at explaining that to the media where I think I'm going to get hit, so I will just part with my bottom line to look like a nice guy, it's a respect issue. And it, it's tough for me. It's real tough for me. But they do now have Jake Paul and what is he going to do? And I must tell you, I do think that he's a pay-per-view attraction. I do. There's not very many guys that can stand on their own. And I will watch Jake Paul's fight in the PFL. I don't know when it is. I don't know what it costs. I don't know if it's a Friday or Saturday. I don't know what weight class and I don't know who the opponent is. I don't know if there's anybody else I could tell you about that right now. Anybody in the sport, I don't think that I could tell you. I'm watching without having any information. George St. Pierre came back. I don't know that I could commit to you now that I'm watching without knowing who the opponent or the weight class or the reason. Right, It's a really unique spot. I think when you have somebody like that, you have something very good. I think they can only go up from here. I know that Jake is going to try to do everything right. He's going to, try to get, he's going to try to get Nate Diaz in there with him. He's going to try to get a very meaningful opponent. And I don't think that he's got two and three bullets that he can fire in terms of drawing and having interest. And I'll just speak for myself. But for drawing and having my interest and a commitment that you will have me along the journey, I don't know that he's got two and three of those absent information, including why and opponent. But for the first one, he will. He will. Him and MMA, that's interesting to me. There's generally a sucker's move done in MMA that when you get a star like him, you then protect him. You bring in a bomb and you make sure that he gets a good result. It, it's never been, business speaking, a good idea, but it's a mistake that is made and it is made over and over and over again. But I don't know that Jake wants that. I don't know that Jake's asking anybody, do me a favor deal me from the bottom of the deck. I don't know that he's asking for that. And I don't know that it's a bad idea to stick to a similar model that he did in boxing, which is to take on a very meaningful, very successful MMA fighter who's maybe not in the perfect time of their success. Like here, I'll just give you an example. This is off the top of my head. You guys know I'm not very good at matchmaking, but to prove the point, I'll give an attempt here, which is if I find out that Jake Paul is going to be fighting Tyron Woodley, that works for me. And moreover, if I found out that Jake Paul is going to be fighting Anderson Silva in MMA, that works for me. I think that Jake is going to try to turn and run and straight arm that as much as possible. But I think that's because there's a lot of haters that take to the internet right the real people the normal people don't do that we don't give you praise we don't give you flack we don't do that but a lot of times the weirdos run the shop just read a very uh, just read a very interesting article on this that Hollywood does not understand the internet, but the internet does understand Hollywood. And and the basic premise, if, if you got through it, is that Hollywood will pander to those with a voice. Those trolls that go out on social media, they will pander to them. But the mistake that they're making is those trolls don't support the movies anyway. Those people that really understand the internet, they go and steal the content anyway. So Hollywood continues to make them happy because they come out and have a voice and Hollywood just can't seem to stand up to that. And then when it's time to actually watch the streaming service, they go steal their content and bury it anyway. It's an interesting piece and it's not totally wrong. And I would just encourage that Jake doesn't need to go for that. I think he's got a winning model there. And I don't see a massive advantage to taking on some, uh, somebody young and youthful and, and blah, blah, blah that could draw on a pay-per-view when it's your first time out. It's very above board. It's very above board to be straightforward and say, you're either going to give me some size or you're going to give me some youth because you've got the experience. So let's see where it goes. But I, I thought that overall, as far as announcements go, they were able to keep this a secret. I mean, this broke this morning. I didn't find out about it until last night. And you can telephone, telegraph, or telefighter. They were able to keep this one a secret. And the only person I told is Helwani. And Helwani did not put it out or even respond to me that he had it. Overall, man, they did an awesome job, and I think it's a very interesting announcement. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz. How would you do that? If I get put in this position, i got to put that together. I mean, here. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Jake Paul has signed with the PFL. And it was very unclear if it was a multi-fight deal. I don't know if you want that detail or if you even need to have it for for your decision-making right now, but it was very unclear. It was clear enough that Jake will not be part of a tournament. Jake is going to come in specifically into the pay-per-view. Now, I don't know how that's going to sit. I do not know how the boys and girls over there are going to do by being on a pay-per-view, the most coveted spot that our industry has, and for sure opening for a guy that's never done it before. I don't know. Where Jake is at, okay, and don't forget Nate Diaz, free agent right now. Where Jake is at is he's called for a double fight with Diaz. He said, we're going to fight in MMA. And six months later, don't ask me the relevance, I'm, I'm quoting, he said, six months later, we're then going to do it in boxing. So I know those things were said. Now, rumor has it that Nate's come in and attempting to respond. Me, talking about here, here's the guarantees I need and we'll sign them both and we'll do them both. We'll do exactly what you said, but let me stop you right there. Is that the right play? Like, I do get where that's interesting and I do know of scenarios in years past where that's interesting to some degree, to do both would be, now you can never get it done, right? Roy Jones is going to come over and he's going to fight Anderson Silva. I apologize. He's going to box. He's going to fight Rampage, but they're going to do it all in one night. They're, they're going to, or in one fight, they're going to box and, and the next round is then going to be MMA. It's so, like, okay, well, let's do the same thing, but the first round is MMA, and the second round is you're going to box. But then you always, but then that's always where the problem comes. It's why you never see it. It's why it never happens. No, we have to start with mine. I have to rig the deck. I probably won't even be around for the second round to do boxing, of which I'm very sure I can finish him if I start with MMA. So, so now it's like, well, why are we doing it? If you're openly saying that you can't do one of them, why are we doing them? It always turns into a problem. It's the reason it never gets off the ground. But there are times where you could see where that would be of interest to bring a guy over. Right. Ken Shamrock at one point was trying to fight Mike Tyson, and he even called him out. Went on the WWE Networks to do it, and he called him out. And I only really use that example, because that would have been interesting if you did both. Like, if Mike said, yeah, I'll do it, but, but we're also going to do it under my rules. You can see where that would be something of interest, which is why I think Jake did this, but now Nate has responded, and it's almost like, hey guys, time out, I'm not sure you thought this through. I mean, let's just say that they go out. Let's say that they sign a double deal. They, and it's six months apart, whatever the relevance to those 188 days is, but you've got you've got the venue, and now you're doing press conference and you're building both. You're bouncing over to this venue to sell, and then you're coming over here and you're airing the whole thing to the country, but you got your on sales and you really are trying to do two different streams of business. Now let's just say, right, because these fights can only go one of two ways. It's only two guys out there, right? Either Jake wins or Nate wins. So let's say they start with MMA. And let's say that Paul wins. But I mean, could you imagine that? We know Paul's good at boxing. We know that. We've seen that. Three, four, five times, never lost. We know he's good at boxing. We've never seen him do MMA. Now, we trust that he's going to be a lot more dangerous than your average guy just starting out. But we don't know. We know that he's better at boxing than he is MMA, at least by logic. So let's say they have the MMA fight and Paul is to win. After all, he's younger. He's bigger. I mean, not for nothing. It can only go two ways, and let's just say that Paul wins. Paul beats Diaz in MMA. Why are we going to boxing? Why would we need to go to the boxing? And that's where the problem comes. And in large part, it also works vice versa in the same way. So maybe they're just having fun. Maybe I'm being a literalist and I shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't. That's not how it's meant to be. This is a spoof and this is for fun. I'm sharing with you that Paul threw that out there. He's got an opportunity in the PFL. He owns a boxing promotion company so he can make these things happen. And now you do have a response coming in from Diaz saying, yeah, let's get it done. Let's get it done for the pair. And it's like, hey, guys, I know where that sounds cool. But it's, it's one of those things you got you to gotta think through. 1996, Kurt Angle won the Olympic Games. They were in Atlanta, aired on NBC. And Kurt told the world through tears with that Olympic gold medal around his neck, if I die tonight, I'll be the happiest man alive. And NBC broke it off. And they played that over and over and over and over. And it's like, guys, have you taken the time to listen to what he said? I know it sounded cool when he said it. And through the tears and the muscles and the heartache, like it sounded cool, but if you die tonight, you can't be the happiest man alive. So sometimes I think you just need to pull back, look at what you said, and then think about, is that something that I needed to have said? If your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, you need rocket money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, or that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. And Rocket Money will do all the legwork and cancel for you. No more long hold times and customer service or awkward conversations with a representative trying to talk you into keeping the service. Just one click and you are done. I hate when I look through my monthly bank statements and I see a subscription I've been paying for months and I never use. I see something cool I want to try and I end up hating it and I forget to cancel before the trial ends. I know you guys can relate. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, including me, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com. That's rocketmoney.com slash chale rocketmoney.com slash Happy 2023, everybody. It's a new year. So, you know, it's time to make a resolution you can actually stick with. Gone are the days of making useless fitness goals and resolutions. The FitBot app is here to help you succeed in staying on track this year the fitbot app creates a workout routine that is personalized to your goals fitness level and available equipment it learns from your previous workouts and adapts as you improve you can keep the momentum going all the way into next year and beyond i've been in and around the gym pretty much my entire life i know a lot about working out and setting goals but sometimes i just get lazy to stay up on my routine Using the FitBot app has helped me to get out of my rut and add some variety to my workouts, and I get to do my workouts from my home gym. You don't need fancy equipment to get a workout done. Just pick a fitness goal, add your equipment, and FitBot will create a routine for you. Whether you've been missing gym time or you've hit a plateau, a fresh start has never been easier. The app switches up your exercises to avoid overtraining or burnout. A full year of FitBod is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. You can work your body and your budget by using the FitBod app. Join FitBod today and build a routine that lasts all year. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at FitBod.me slash chael. That's FitBod, F-I-T-B-O-D dot me Rockmanov versus Neil rebooked for March. All right, but what do you make of that, guys? I mean, what should you make of that? Rebooking a match when a match falls apart is uncommon. We, we've got a history of it. We've got a history of doing it for 20 years. It's not a new concept. It's a rare one. To rebook a match that isn't a main event... That is almost a new concept. This is the first time that it happened. But what is it about that match that they, they wanted to preserve? I think that's probably a compliment to the match. I think the focus of that match possibly wasn't enough. I think that, that Neil and Rachmanov is a pretty easy story to tell, and I think that that would push you up a card. I think that that's a quality of a main event fight. Now, you're not going to move a fight that, that you couldn't get into the cage in the first place, you're not going to move that to now a five round situation. But I'm just sharing for you, why did this happen? I was the only one talking about it. I'm only talking about it because there's very few things to talk about in the sport of MMA. I mean, you want to really get down to it. Have you seen the headlines? Have you seen the topics? Have you seen what's been going on? It's been a really tough week for a guy in my position who's nothing more than a talking head. So when you have somebody like Romanov Rachmanov, who's 15 and 0, he's finished absolutely everybody. Seven this way and eight another way. There's a huge opportunity for somebody to break into the business. They're just going to have to step in against him. There's no opportunity. And there's no clearer path to get yourself a contract than being ready on short notice. Even once you're signed and you're with the organization, There's no way to work your way up the card faster and to get an opportunity and to climb quicker than being ready on short notice. And people have sat around from the beginning of this sport and thought about, how do I get in? How do I get discovered? How do I get signed? And they put a plan together. Tough came out. Contender Series came out, just by example. Massive opportunities. And then, of course, you've just got the standard way of getting out there on the regional scene and building your name and somewhere along the way, social media and getting your brand out there, right? I mean, some of the real obvious stuff. But nothing has trumped and nothing history will show you is a better way to do it faster and to skip the line quicker than to simply be ready on short notice. And I don't have this factually, this is circumstantial and speculative by me, but I believe it, that we didn't have a single guy on the regional scene contact the office and say that they would fight Rachmaninoff. I mean, that that is just shocking to me. I would go as far as to tell you that's shocking. But it appears that we didn't have a guy that did that. Now, let's look within the roster. I didn't see a 70-pounder that said that he would do it. There was somebody at 85. I, mean, I I must tell you, there was somebody that said that they would do it. And it's one of these really interesting spots. So now you go back to Jeff Neal. You take a fight that wasn't a feature fight in the first place. You kick the can down to March. Everybody's looking around going, okay, let's just do it. But it, it feels very contractual at that point. Feels very much like hey I owe this guy a match I owe this guy a match and they're the same way here let's get them together and don't talk about that again let's talk about the rest of the card I mean it, it kind of feels that way and I thought that Rachmanov was really starting to come out of his shell within this moment he even hit me with one he even hit me with a where does Kevin Lee fit in this routine but I appreciated that a lot starting to see hey this guy wants some matches he was talking about Shamiyev he was talking about all sorts of things the, the 85 pounder that called him out who deserves by the way. To have his name out there, there's a mental slip by me. Rachmanov accepted. He said, yeah, let's do it for the fans. But he really showed something here. He showed some interest. But so did the rest of the 70-pounders. So did the rest of the welterweights. They think this is going to be their year and they're going to get their opportunity and this is going to be their time to shine. They had it. Came to you in the first week of the first month of the new year and you didn't take it. That's a reality. What do the rest of us do with it? How bad do we want to punish you? What do we? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's disappointing, but it's common. Happens quite often. Nobody could seem to come up with a better idea, so you just take the same match that wasn't a feature match in the first place and you do it a couple of months later. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Matt Brown. Guys, if you like this program, I really encourage you to go find Matt Brown. Right, he's talking more, he, he's like this secret analyst. I mean, he's the guy that you wouldn't think was going to go on and be an analyst. I, I listen to him almost every time he does something. He was talking about Blahal Muhammad. Now, it is relevant because this is Matt's weight class, right? If anybody has the right to an opinion at 170 pounds, it's a guy that went out and earned that right at 170 pounds. So, and what did Brown do? It was a seven-fight win streak he was on, or was it an eight-fight win streak that he was on? That close to getting the title opportunity. So, and he could probably relate with Blahal specifically, but essentially Brown was saying that Blahal is the dark horse of that division. That's the guy. And he did make a comparison, and it was to Chemayev. He said he can beat Jamayev. This is the guy. Now, what do you think of that? And I got asked this question by my producer, Ryan. He says, is Blahal the dark horse of the division? I had a hard time saying yes. Now, I agree with everything that Matt's saying, and I agree with the premise. I don't think it's a dark horse. I I just don't think it's a dark horse. What is Blahal on? It's seven or eight. His next fight's going to be like nine without a loss. And then you got to go back and see what he did there, right? He stopped Leon Edwards' win streak. That can be wordplay by me. Sure it is. But it's accurate, and I'm going to throw it in there. Blahal Mohamed became a main event fighter and then stayed there, and he beat Vincenzo Luque, who was the number one contender. And that part seems to get left out. This isn't Chael's opinion. This isn't UFC.com or MMA.tv's opinion. Vincenzo Luque... Whipped everybody's ass and then got brought out to Madison Square Garden and weighed in for Colby Covington versus Kamara Usman part two. He was ready to slide in 24 hours later in a main event and contest for the world championship. That's what a number one contender is. Blahal beats him. Blahal gets put in one of the most difficult spots. I don't know if the Blahal will ever be returned to his difficult difficult of a situation as he just came through. And again, he gets no credit for it. Lahal Mohammed, a multiple-time main eventer who stopped Leon Edwards' win streak, who took out a number one contender, who got in the five-round club, who headline shows gets relegated to an undercard opposite of 15-0 Sean Brady, who nobody was willing to fight. which is why Blahal was willing to go out there and do it. There is such incredibly massive pressure. There is nothing good that's going to happen. Let me ask you right now, what was the bump that Blahal got? What good happened? The match is over. It was a finish. It was a TKO. What good happened? And it's not Blahal's fault, right? There was just, there was so much energy in the room that night, all the air gets sucked out of it, and he's six fights from the end. Just one of those situations, sometimes you get called upon. Gotta go into one of these spots where, man, tonight I just gotta win. I gotta get this over with and I gotta win. If I lose, my fall is gonna be catastrophic. If I win, I'm running sideways. Not where I wanted to be, but it's where I'm at. He didn't get his credit for it, and he should. And I just share that with you. I don't know that he's gonna go back to a harder spot. Like, if you put him opposite Jemayev, sure, that's physically, that's a lot of hard work to do. But when he's in the locker room beforehand, There isn't a a physical element. There's getting your mind right in a mental element. I don't don't think that that situation is more difficult than going in against Sean Brady, who, if he beats you, Sean is going to bounce. I mean, meteorically. If you beat him, you run sideways. Hard spot. Really, really hard spot that most guys that have earned and worked their way to Blahal's level just simply wanted not agree to. They just wanted to agree. And I could give you examples of guys who have agreed, and if I was to finish the thought, they found a way before the fight to pull out. Wouldn't you know? Oh, boy, that darn shoulder's acting up. All right. Fair enough. I'm just sharing with you that Blahal didn't do it. I don't know that I could call him a dark horse. No. No. I think he's a racehorse is what I think. is. I don't know how far it can go. I know they'll, they'll, they'll repackage about every decade and shove it down your throat. Essentially, the laws of attraction. I mean, essentially. The powers of positive thought. And it gets a little bit annoying, but sometimes you see it. And you can go read a book like The Promised, or you can go check out another version of that that some other jerk wrote. Or you can just watch Blahal Muhammad do it. I mean, he largely has talked himself into this. I don't mean he's, he, he talked his way into opportunities through you guys by outdoing media. I mean, he's convinced himself. I don't see anything different within his skills. I don't see anything different within his attacks. He doesn't have a new trainer. He's not at a new gym. He doesn't have different schedules and sparring partners that I'm aware of. He hasn't gone on the alkaline diet and, and, and things like this. He started to believe. He started to truly believe it. Mm, I don't think he's a dark horse. I think he's a race horse. I think he's one of the guys at the absolute top. I liked what Matt Brown said about him. I'm not going to do an X's and O's right now and talk about, you know, is he going to beat Well, Let's see if those fights come about. But I know there's massive opportunity. And a lot of guys just don't have the guts to take it. Blahal will take it. When that chance comes, he's going to take it. I don't know if he's a dark horse, but he's definitely a stallion. Guys, I'm so thankful for our next partner, Athletic Greens. Not only have they sponsored this episode, but they've also helped me make life easier. I started taking Athletic Greens 1 in 2020, and I haven't stopped. I needed something that I could take to cover all my vitamins, supplements, and gut health, but I hate taking pills. It's annoying and time-consuming to take a bunch of different pills, patterns, and tablets with AG1. I don't have to do that, but I get all my nutrients in. AG1 is so much more than a greens powder. It's all your key health products in one. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, down it and I'm done. AG1 is also great for recovery. I usually take mine before I work out or even after when I need a boost during the day. I can get a nice mental and physical boost without experiencing a caffeine crash later in the day. It also costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash That's athleticgreens.com slash Check it out. A line came out for Francis versus Jones. Who do you think was the favorite? Now, now I ask you that because it was a surprise to me. Francis was the favorite. Minus 220, Jones was plus 180. Does that surprise you? And I guess if you thought about okay, okay sure, right? You've got a heavyweight. They're fighting at heavyweight. It seems as though there's going to be a lot of striking, and it seems as though Francis would have a lot of power. A lot of times when it comes to the odds, though, it's not just who do we believe is better between this guy and this guy. A lot of times, part of the equation that will go in to the algorithm before they spit out the odds, who has more ways to win? And that one doesn't seem close to me. Now, I realize that's just talk. Anything can happen between them. I I get all of that. But when we set a line, that's all we've got is talk. Do we at least agree that if Francis wins, that's the same thing as saying Francis knocked him out. Do do we agree on that? This is broad stroke. But if Francis is to beat John, doesn't that mean that he had to knock him out? We don't believe that Francis is going to go submit John Jones, do we? We don't think it's going to be a pit for pat dogfight and it goes five rounds and they turn it over to the judges and Francis outworked him. And we don't think Francis is going to get on top and keep him there. I mean, right? Help me out. Is there, is there somewhere else to go if Francis beats John Jones? Isn't that a synonym for saying Francis knocked out John Jones? This fight's done, and I tell you, Francis won. Do I then? Right? You would just know he knocked him out. Am I close? Am I? Cl- I mean, I know we, but but for for conversation here now, John, I, it would be very different. John is probably unlikely to knock out Francis. If I don't give you any details, the fight's over. I say there was a knockout. Then I tell you, now tell me who won. I think you're going to say Francis. But if I tell you that it went to a decision, probably going to think John Jones won. If I told you it was a submission, you'd be certain John Jones won. If I told you it was a takedown to ground and pound in the fourth round, elbow strikes, you'd think that John Jones won. I think, I think that you would think that. So it's one of these things, it's, it's very interesting, right? Because Francis did show us something in his very last fight. Like, if you tried to play that same game that I just did now, that you're given the conclusion, now tell me who the victor was, red corner or blue corner. I don't know if you could have done that in Francis' last fight. Uh, There's two rounds of striking in that fight, and Francis lost them both. He turns to wrestling, which he's never done, against a guy who had never been taken down. So, I mean, my game doesn't always work, but you still play the same game. You still go through the same process. How do you think the Francis versus John Jones goes? I watched John it was yesterday. Not confirming it was filmed yesterday. I saw it yesterday. But it was big old heavyweight John. And he was doing a mitt workout. But it was more of a muay thai where he was putting in the, the knees and the elbows, and he was putting in the kicks. And, man, I, I've forgotten. I, I swear to goodness, I've half-forgotten the way that guy moves. You, you cannot teach that. He just he just has it. I mean, he just does. He did a head kick. He, he, he steps outside. He was from a southpaw stance, which he changes back and forth, but, but just for the sake of, of this clip, I mean, it just flashes up that fast on the screen in the video. Steps outside, does a head kick, but to get the head up high, he, he like loses his balance. He loses his balance and poses his hand and comes through the whole thing. And it was just, I'm just watching the athleticism involved in that for a guy that size, who is seemingly ambidextrous. Seemingly. And I'm going, man, this is a very unusual guy. I don't know how you're going to get a hand on him. One of Francis's problems was surreal. And Francis did just fine in the standup, but they stood there for two rounds. He, he lost both rounds. That's an accurate statement. He did just fine, but he was so big and surreal wasn't quite as big. And surreal was able to just move around a little bit quicker. Francis threw the punches. He wasn't keeping everything at home. He was letting the punches go. They weren't touching the target. The speed issue generally favors a smaller guy. Generally. Now, it will always favor a guy who's smaller in a stand up fight. We, we call it a size advantage, but if you just go back and look at history, the lighter guy is the one with the advantage. However, that is always true if it's a striking battle. And so that's where it would favor John. It would just seem like John would move around. Is John going to wear down? Has he been out too long? Man, Francis was hurt. He's been out too. I mean, it seems like a little bit of a wash to me. Is Francis going to take John Jones down? Now, that would be very interesting. I would lean towards no, but he. I would lean towards no. And I would lean pretty confidently towards not repeatedly. How's Francis going to beat him? Francis can beat him. Make no mistake. Like, I'm not prepared today to give you an X's and O's analysis. But a lot of times, when you do these fictitious lines, a meaningful part of the algorithm is who has more ways to win. I can't remember time John Jones has been an underdog. It might have happened. It's so long. I just can't remember time. I think that adds to the excitement. I think that adds to the draw. There's always been a lot of pressure on John Jones, right? It's not all moonlight and canoes being the favorite. That could be a cool thing and a cool way to go through life, but not on fight night itself. You're walking out last. Everybody's done. The energy's out of the building. The crowd's drunk. There's one thing left to go. My name's in the marquee. I mean, I'm just sharing with you, like there is a different pressure that gets put on the favorite. If John Jones was in a situation where he was not the favorite, I don't believe that that hurts him. I believe you just helped him. Only John could tell us if that was true or not, but I would believe. That he just had a pressure taken off of him. He's not going to walk out last. He's going to walk out just before Francis walks out. It's an interesting spot, but in some ways, I think it's a better spot. I think it should be considered. I don't know how likely this fight is going to be. Neither one of these guys wants to fight the other guy. They just want to pretend, they want you to think that they want to do it. And I mean, that, that's life as a whole. You grew up with that. You saw that in the seventh grade, you saw that your sophomore year. You, you, you've seen that all the time. And you can get any way to get out of doing the fight while saving face, you will do that. And there are nothing between these two guys. And they just can't quite seem to find one another. So it's, it's, I'm not even predicting for you're going to have this match. If there's any excuse to not have to walk outside while keeping your ego intact, believe me, these guys aren't going to make that walk. But the excuses are lightening up and there is a chance those two boys, whether they want to or not, are going to find each other. Mike Tyson and Joe Rogan were talking, and this might have been an old clip, guys, but it just came to me. I just saw, just naturally, somebody didn't send to me, and I'm on my whatever, It feeds you suggestions, and they're usually pretty good suggestions, and I take them, but Mike Tyson asked Joe Rogan that question ever for MMA in history, and Joe Rogan, this might surprise you, but he said Mighty Mouse. Said Mighty Mouse and Joe had reasons. With the speed and the techniques, with the diversity. But scariest fighter, I feel as though is a different question. I mean, I feel like it's a very specific question. Scariest, uh, okay, but that wouldn't necessarily be the same answer that I would have for most powerful. And it might not be the same answer that I'd have for most dynamic or the fastest or the... uh, Right, I mean, I think that that word really does matter. Scariest fighter in MMA history I had with a pretty sizable gap, Cain Velasquez. And he, he had the whole bit. He had the look. He had the eyes. He had the jawline. He had the stoicness. He had the rumors and reputation. He had the work ethic. He had the records, he had the knockouts, he had the collegiate resume, but there was something scary about a big guy that had that level of conditioning. We don't see that very often. Not that level, not where they can be on you that hard, non-stop. It was a really uh, impressive thing. And there are stories on Kane. Like here, I'll give you an example. So Kane was younger than me. And I was at Team Quest. And Matt Lindland was trying to go through a phase of building the the team, but also building the management arm to the point that Matt was recruiting. He was out. He was making phone calls, having guys come through town. Hey, think uh, here, here you think about going, getting into this sport. Come out here. Give us a shot for a week. See how you fit in. So... Matt had called, and I think Tom, I think Tom Ortiz was still the head coach out at Arizona State. And he said, who do you got? Who do you got that wants to go into MMA? Who's coming through? And whoever the coach was, I believe, I believe Tom was the guy at that point. Could have been Sean Charles there. Whoever Matt speaks to tells him, well, Cain Velasquez is the only guy." who's who's graduating and out of eligibility that's looking at going into MMA. And Matt said, well, tell me about him. I I don't know much about him. They said, well, he's the the hardest worker on the team. He's a heavyweight and he's the hardest worker on the team. And Matt corrected the statement. Matt goes, you mean he's the hardest working heavyweight on the team? And the coach goes, no, he is a heavyweight. But I meant it the way I said it. He's the hardest working guy on the team. Now, that just doesn't happen. Just so you understand, that doesn't happen, and for good reason. I mean, how's a heavyweight going to do the same things that a 25 pounder does, or a 157 pounder? I mean, how's he? How's he going to do it? How's he going to do as many pull-ups? How's he going to run as, as many miles? You, you understand where that's going to be problematic? And they said, "Look, he's the exception. The guy's the hardest worker on the team." There's a story, and I trust that it is not a literal story, but there is a story and it's never died down, that Cain Velasquez goes into AKA. And it was his first day. And he's trying to introduce himself or get the attention of Javier Mendez. And Javier's working with somebody when this guy is coming over and trying to to talk to him. So Javier wants to give attention, but he's doing something. So, you know, hey, just just a minute type thing. And Cain comes back the third time that he comes back and interrupts Javier, Javier tells this guy, who he's yet to meet, he tells this guy, go kick that bag 1,000 times and then come see me. And it was a way, just get out of here, leave me alone, I'm doing something. And that guy went over and kicked that bag 1,000 times. Now, I understand where the details, but I do believe the theme and I do believe something like that happened. It was that very first day and it was something within the instruction of Javier Mendez where he took a att- tent-man, I who's this? Those stories get around, right? I mean, there is something that's very intimidating about that. I would also have to imagine that you would have a very good argument to Alistair Overeem at some point, to Francis Sangano now. And you want to know a popular one that I hear a lot? I didn't feel it. But you want to want to I hear a lot is Brock Lesnar. Brock had a very special presence, but the word here is scary, and there was something that was intimidating about a man that big with that kind of resume, with that kind of popularity that wasn't afraid to get in there and compete, and Brock, who came in as a Division I national champion wrestler, but he wins the championship on his feet, knocking out Ready Couture, and it wouldn't really matter who he knocked out. When you have the expectation of Brock that you are going to pin somebody down and they will never get up, you know how hard it is to get up from somebody who's on top of you, but, but now imagine that person has 50 pounds, has 40 pounds. There wasn't a lot of heavyweights tipping the scale at the upper end of the limit. So when you have that expectation and he comes out and he's got some power in his hands, whoa, it's a frightening thing. So I see where Brock would be in that list. I will tell you what with Brock, he's doing his finest work right now. I'm not sure Brock's not in his prime. Brock has brought me in as a viewer and a fan with his performance. I'm talking about over in sports entertainment. But he has convinced me, whether I'm a mark or not, he has convinced me that like no other time in his career, he personally is having the most fun, enjoying himself, and is the happiest now. I believe it. I believe it. I think he's at his height. And for a guy like that, Brock Brock and I are the same age or he's a year older. But But to imagine that he's got another half decade or more on top of the bill in that industry, I mean, it's a special thing. Does that add to his scariness? I don't know. And if you went head to head, I'm arguing Kane and you wanted to argue Francis. You could always tell me that Francis knocked out Kane, right? I mean the the, the debate is going to go on, but we're not talking about who the best is or who the most effective or who had the mo- most beautiful resume. Scary, it's a unique word. My opinion? Blasquez. Let's circle back, guys. I had spoke to you a moment ago as it pertained to a show called Unwatchable with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Now, here's the story, all right, and I wrote a book a number of years ago, and I shared with you a chapter that just said, if you want to know everything that you need to know about politics, how politics work within the United States all you need to do is study the history of professional wrestling. And once you get that, you will see the great works and the great angles. We have one going on today for Speaker of the House. I mean, this whole thing is predetermined, right? This whole thing is Monday Night Raw, but they got people out there that are soaking it up. And it's just one of these interesting spots. And I want to bring that back because when I look at Skip and Shannon Sharp, first off, that show is terrible. But If there's nothing else to watch, and you know these guys, and you kind of got a habit of going to it, they're going to be around for a little bit, but they're partners nonetheless. So Skip puts out a comment during Monday Night Football, and it was almost a perfect thought. And he put it out in the form of a tweet, which are generally statements, and I have maintained for you from the beginning of time, if you take the beer out of football, you just took the fans out of football. And I do believe that when Skip put this out, he had a lot of drunken audience that read it and interpret it for what Twitter generally is, which is a statement as opposed to a thought. This is off the top of my head and I read it one time, but the story goes like this. Skip said, how do you not go on with the game? Particularly at this point in the season, season and how meaningful the outcome of this is. However, to you look at this injured player, The outcome of this game sure does seem irrelevant. Now, that's not an exact quote, but boy, I'm close off the top of my head. And it was more of a thought, and he was right. What do you do if you were to stop the game? How do you stop it? And we have mechanisms in other sports. I mean, I would just share that with you from that of combat. We we have a mechanism. Like if a fight is stopped due to a headbutt, and it wasn't supposed to, there's a way that you throw to the cards that X time has elapsed. They have something similar, at least in Little League uh, baseball. I don't know if they have it in the pros, and I don't know that they have it in the NFL. So it it really was a fair question, and it did seem pretty irrelevant, no matter what this means for the rest of the season or how we're going to fix this. Are we going to run it back? Are we going to say, hey, what's the score right now? The game's done. What's the score right now? You know, that's a real thing, too. I'll just share with you, it's high school. In America, you got 50 different states, they have 50 different jurisdictions, but we have something out here in Oregon called the OSAA. I'll tell you one, if you've ever been there for it, you'll back me up, And if you haven't, let me share something with you. It doesn't matter what the game. If it's held indoor, it doesn't matter if it's volleyball, doesn't matter if it's a wrestling match. It uh, doesn't matter if it's basketball, doesn't matter if it's men or it's women. If you are playing a game and the building loses power, and have you ever thought about that at a gymnasium? Think of any gym you want. You probably don't have any windows in it. It's very rare to have windows within a gymnasium. So when the lights go out, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Whatever the score was, it doesn't matter if you're one second in or if there's one second left. Whatever the score was, when the lights went out, that contest is at a conclusion and you're done and you'll move on. That even happened one time in Oregon at the state tournament. The state tournament in the quarterfinals, the lights went out, and they ended up coming back eight minutes later. That's not much. Guys are still down there. They still got a beat of sweat going. Everybody's ready to go. The quarterfinals got decided because the lights went out, and there's an obscure rule known about that. I'm I'm just sharing that with you because Skip wasn't wrong to say this, not to mention it was a thought. Wasn't making a statement. Shannon Sharp, his partner, won't show up for work the next day. He's disgusted. He's so bothered by it. Now, if this is nothing more than a pro wrestling angle, this is a good, solid angle, and Chael's a mark, and he's getting pulled in, right? Fair enough. I'm well aware that not only is that possible, it should be probable. There's no way that Sharp should think he gets a day off and doesn't have to follow through on an obligation. Oh, and by the way, also gets the high-handed approach why his partner sits there and carries a show all by himself. But he might have. And then how long does that work, right? If I mean, if it was true for, for Tuesday, why, why would you show up on Wednesday? Why would why you show up anywhere in this week? Why would not you show up until you have the apology? It's, it's weird. The whole thing's very weird. And, and I say it for you, not because I have an opinion. It was just surprising to me to watch how everybody else wanted to handle it. The question was, we've got to stop the game. What if this guy, what if he doesn't make it? Which would mean you have to look at the other side of what if he does? Are we going to stop other games in the future? Are we going to redo them? Are we going to refund them? Are we, are we going to run this back? Are we going to affect the play? Whatever this game was for, are we going to redo that in the future if a guy goes down? What part about going down? And I had a friend tell me, well, his heart stopped. And I said, excuse me, Carl, how would you know that? I mean, maybe you were told that later and that did come. How would you know in that moment that his heart, and, and what difference would that make about his, and then his, his toe being out or him just being down? I mean, I'm just sharing for you. At what point do you stop it? As opposed to continuing. Vince McMahon had done this. You guys might remember it. This was a tough one. And I'm not passing a judgment for you. I'm doing a lot like Skip did. Just in hindsight with some days removed. So let's go ahead and take a look at this situation. There seemed to be just be a built-in belief. That if you thought that the show must go on. You're a really bad guy. But if you thought it should be stopped. Then you're a really good guy. It's like, well, okay, but where do you stop? What if I was there on a date? It was my first date with someone I took. Is the date now over? Does the relationship need to end? Like, what needs to st- Just the game? Just that all these guys that are down here on the field? We just don't have them run opposite directions anymore? Okay, fair enough. I think it was 99. I think it was 99. It could have been 98. 1998. There was a pay-per-view. WWE. And this is when the wars were going on. This is when WCW was hot. This was when Ted Turner bought every single piece of talent away. And Vince had to come in and reform his brand with two guys that you had never heard of named Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Very interesting time in wrestling. And you get to what you would look at as a co-main event. Second to the last match of the night is Owen Hart. And he was playing a character called the Blue Blazer. The Blue Blazer came down from the rafters. Literally, they're playing these great, big, beautiful arenas and Owen Hart's character repelled. He repelled straight into the ring. So Owen is up on the scaffold. He says, are we ready? He, he did this spot, you know, a hundred times at this point. And the guy tells him, yeah, you're ready. Well, Owen didn't double check. The guy was wrong. He had not hooked the rig. Owen jumped to his death on TV. And I was watching it, and it was tough. And the camera was not right on that. It was on the announcer. So you, you could barely see what had happened, and they never went back to the ring. And then the announcers are telling you and assuring you, hey, this is not a work. This is bad. And they don't really know how to speak, and you can almost see the tear in their eye. And it was one of these really interesting things. So you then come out, and it's main event time. Stone Cold. And Vince didn't end the program. He went on with the main event, the last match, which was Stone Cold. And when they went to the ring, now they're showing the audience there's blood in the ring. It wasn't there before. So that's pretty tough stuff. I mean, that, that that's a really, really tough thing. And Vince has been scrutinized for this ever since that was done. And Stone Cold, who was the main event, was also scrutinized about when Vince told you to go on, why did you? It's just one of those situations. You know, what what do you do? How does that get handled? And I don't have the right answer for you. But I'll tell you what, you don't either. And if you want to be high-handed and be on the right side of the argument, then don't come down on somebody that's got a differing opinion. We don't know how to handle this, guys. That was 1998, the situation that I told you with Vince and Stone Cold and, and Owen Hart, rest his soul. 1998. So what have we had, guys? 24 years? Nobody has the answer still. They've been asked it many times. What would you do if you could go back and nobody has the answer? It hasn't been written down. There's no official policy. 24 years have gone by and they don't know how to handle it. So you get a guy that's asking a question in the moment during a circumstance we haven't seen, which is about to have an outcome of stopping, which we haven't seen. And what happens then? What are the ramifications? How does it work from a business standpoint of returning money to the ticket holders, I just think it's an interesting spot. I'm gonna be a dick about it. I don't think they should get their money back. I don't know why I don't know why you would. They started a game. Here you go. You you saw some games. So what are we gonna break it down? I show you 30%, I give you 70% of your ticket. But the whole thing's weird, man. Card's subject to change. S-H-I-T apostrophe happens, it's one of the top rules in show business, much like the show must go on. But what's going to happen and what should we do from here? How about you be a little bit more open to hearing suggestions and how about if you don't agree with your partner, you at least show up and discuss it with them? Seems like a reasonable start, at least to me. Alright guys, that's it for today's episode, thank you for listening. And I want to remind you, I got a YouTube channel. If you're one of the few nerds who hasn't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Please and thank you. Enjoy the weekend and come back here next Tuesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome.